There are many, so many hungry wolves. Can you find the wolves in this picture? find the wolves in this picture? Film by Martin Scorsese, based on the book Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage Murders and the Birth of the F. B.I. by David Grann, G-R-A-N-N. Eric Larson, New York Times bestselling author, says that if Killers of the Flower Moon were a novel, one would marvel at David Grann's skill in constructing such a taunt, driving narrative with so many stunning plot twists. But it's a true story based on years of meticulous reporting, making the book a fiercely entertaining mystery story and a wrenching exploration of evil. Now, uh, there is more on the book, Killers of the Flower Moon, but I'm very pleased to bring back to the airwaves of Living for the City my friend John Kane. John is a Mohawk activist. He produces the Let's Talk Native podcast and Resistance Radio right here on WBAI Thursdays at 3 p.m. He joins us from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation where he lives with his family. John is no stranger to me. Um, John had his own program um, in the mornings, ah, I think it was Tuesday mornings, he would uh, travel here each week from the Cattaraugus territories, an eight-hour trip one way, and uh, be with us. And uh, that's when I was working in the mornings. I miss uh, the comradeship with him terribly. But he joins us today to talk about this book and... Uh, this 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 Hollywood film, and he cautions that this is a film adaptation of this book. John, welcome back to Living for the City. It's always a pleasure to join you, Michael. It's just uh, it's it's great to hear your voice, and it's great to be with you. <laughs> John, all right. So you know, this is is not new to me and some of the listeners because I remember when this book first came out. Years ago now, not, you know, not a decade, but uh, several years ago, uh, you brought it to these airwaves and introduced this to us. Now, tell us about um, this, this film now, this adaptation of this. It has A-list uh, Hollywood folks on it. 
So tell us what we need to know before we get into the theaters to see this. Well, let me first start because there may be people who are totally unfamiliar with the story. Mm-hmm. Before I yes. get right to the film, let me okay. let me explain. In uh, the Osage, were people who were displaced of their uh, of their homeland, and they were forced to uh, to relocate in Oklahoma. Uh, but in the process, they were actually paid um, money to leave their homelands, uh, and and when they and they actually purchased their land uh, in Oklahoma, and in that purchase, they also had the mineral rights. So in, in nineteen in the nineteen twenties, the Osage were the wealthiest people on the planet because oil had been discovered in uh, under the lands and oil was just becoming the the new you know the, the new way that, that that drove everything economically throughout the world so oil being discovered on their land immediately uh, changed their their lives so in, in the 1920s they were the wealthiest people on the planet but because of the the racism and the white supremacy that existed so strongly against, you know, obviously black people, against native people, they couldn't have their own money. The federal government said that every Osage had to have a, a white guardian that would oversee their their expenditures, oversee their, their finances. And so they were designated these, these guardians. And, and I think it's important to know that because yeah. this is where the foundation of, uh, of the crime and, and the massive... Um, Premeditation goes uh, comes from when you talk about non-native people uh, cheating the Osage out of, out of their money. So let me just start there. Yes, and, please. Thank you. And again, the book is fabulous. The book is is journalism. It's not a novel. It is uh, it is uh, born out of um, just extensive research that, that David Grant had done. Now a movie, and people have to remember this: the movie is not a documentary. It is mm-hmm. uh, it is a adaptation it is based on a book but none of the the dialogue none of the script none of the conversations in the movie are real they they're made up they were fabricated to try to um i guess inform the viewer uh a little bit more about the the characters or the the principles you know that 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 come from the from the book originally so when you watch a film and especially one that has some historical context, it's always important to people realize that none of the dialogue is real. It's all been made up. And in fact, even the the disposition of the characters in in a in a film in uh, it, it are always um, done with the the idea that this is a piece of art. That this is this is a a fabrication. Now, mm-hmm. I want to tell people. I hope everybody goes out and watches this movie. Let me start right there. I think I think the movie is going to inform a lot of people about the travesty, about the murders that took place um, on Osage land to take their their oil wealth away. I think the the film will do that. However, in order to, to make a film and make it inviting, you have to do this character development, and that's you know, and that plays out in novels, but it also plays out in in film, and when. The, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and uh, and I think he was originally the the person who um, who purchased the right to do this film. He he brought in Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. So you're like you're right, absolutely a list actors in this film. But originally, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to play the FBI agent who was investigating these murders. But mm-hmm. 
But he struggled with that. And he said he didn't, he had worked with, with Scorsese. They didn't want to just do a murder mystery. They, they wanted to do something more that was going to be more compelling, I guess. So DiCaprio decided to play one of the, the characters who was involved in, in these murders. Uh, and, and he thought that he could, he could build the, the film around, uh, around the murderer rather than, than the victim, so to speak. Now, hmm. I got to tell everybody, I haven't seen the film. I, I've read the reviews. I've, I've seen trailers, all kinds of trailers. And I also saw a trailer that, one, that, that included um, a quote or a, a piece by Martin Scorsese who said he was drawn to the film because of the existence of love and friendship that could exist with this murder and theft. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I immediately responded to that because, look, you can't claim to love somebody or be a friend of somebody and then kill them for their money. I mean, that's not right. love. That's not yes. friendship. And right. so they don't, they don't coexist in a, in a real world. In film, they might, because now you're going to watch this film and you might be drawn even to the, you know, the most devious characters in the, in, in, uh, in the truth of this, this story, which was the, um, the De Niro character who mm-hmm. plays William Hale. But his nephew, in, uh, who's played by DiCaprio, is Ernest Burkhart. This film makes it sound like he really struggled with his love for, for Molly Burkhart and, uh, and, and goes on to, to make you really sympathize from, from what I've seen thus far uh, in, in that character. And so I think it's important that people realize that when you watch this film, understand the underlying facts, the murders that took place and the theft that took place. And, and don't get too emotionally caught up. I mean, for the sake of film viewing, by all means, but, but from, a, from, from a standpoint of truth, if you want to know the story, read the book. I mean, if, you're, if you're really that interested in what the film does to you, then you should read the book because the book does not um, make you feel sympathy for, uh, for the, the DiCaprio character or the De Niro mm. character. And, and so while I want people to see the film because they, this story is important, um, I, I, I want people to realize that that this is it is a film adaptation of the of the book. It's, it's a Hollywood, a, yeah, it's a Hollywood film. I mean, this thing has been critically acclaimed at the Cannes mm-hmm. Film Festival. It is mm-hmm. probably going to be the blockbuster of the year. It's probably going to win more Academy Awards and all these uh, you know these other awards. It's probably going to be a sensational film. And, and like I said, I encourage people to see it. But yeah. but I just I just caution people that if you really want to know the story, and I hope people do. I hope people go out and buy this book. Because they may walk away um, with a different taste in their mouth when they, when they mm. read the book versus just watching the film. All right. Uh, John Kane is with me on Living for the City. I'm Michael G. Haskins. John Kane is uh, the producer and host of Resistance Radio on WBAI Thursdays at 3 p.m. Uh, joining us from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca nation where he lives with his family. A couple of things that jumped out at me from even when I was reading the book initially, Osage, the name Osage. I mean, it, it has uh, longer and, and, and greater implications for the Native people. But for me, in my mind, I'm thinking of Osage Avenue in Philadelphia. Now, there's a connection there and people who have been around for a while and understand they know about move, but uh, but that jumped out at me at first. I want you to talk a little bit, John, about 
this book in the context, um, more so than the film, but certainly uh, uh, the book, uh, with the birth of the FBI. How does that fold into all this? And, and before you answer that, John, the 1920s, this took place in the 1920s. And what else happened in the 1920s in that same state of Oklahoma? It cannot, it, you know, we cannot ignore that. But anyway, John, talk, talk a little bit about the, the, the birth of the FBI with all of this. Well, the FBI was brand new. I mean, they, yeah. uh, I think they, they got involved and uh, had not really made a good uh, impression, I think, during the Teapot Dome scandal, which most people won't know much about. But this was really one of their first major investigations. And so getting a conviction was was really important. And so um, uh, the young J. Edgar Hoover brings in a Texas Ranger, uh, uh, makes him an FBI agent, to specifically investigate this thing. And, and the agent um, really tries to narrowly focus this as a serial killing uh, likely uh, perpetrated by an individual or a small group of individuals. He kind of ignores the fact that what was happening is every white person in that area was somehow complicit. I mean, this was, this was about um, the storekeep. This was about the, the dentist. This was about the doctor. This was about the whatever non-native law enforcement there was. It was about everybody being complicit in trying to um, take money away from the, the Osage in, in any way they could. Everybody who, whether you sold a car or like I said, a funeral service, or whether you were a contractor, you were going to bilk the Osage in any way that you could. And, and of course, during the 1920s, there was also prohibition going on. There was plenty of booze making its way to uh, to Osage territory, and and of course promoting the you know what is now almost stereotypically considered you know alcoholism amongst Native people. So that's what was going that what was going on, and that's the context of the book. But what happens is, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the other things uh, because we have a tendency to to put such a narrow focus, almost, uh, I call it siloing. We, we look at native issues and, and native events as if they happen in a vacuum, like there's nothing else happening in the world. I actually asked David Grant, I said, why, does, why is it even though you took this story and you, you clearly you went after this as, a, as an example or an expression of racism and you, and you didn't pull any punches there, but you never mentioned Tulsa, 40 miles away, you have you know, uh, mm -hmm. the Tulsa riots. Are not, it's not even a riot. It's a massacre. It is. It is the you know the wiping out of what was called Black Wall Street at the time, That's right. That's and right. and that happens literally just you know about forty miles away from from Osage uh, territory. And and you know I, I think the absence of making that connection. In fact, I got to tell you, I've listened to interviews with both with Scorsese, De Niro, and DiCaprio, and they all mentioned the Tulsa riots, by the way, in their interviews. Ah. Um, it's not in the book. I don't know. Maybe it gets mentioned in the movie. We'll see. But uh, I think putting these things in, into context with the overall racism. I mean, one of the things that, that, frankly, and I don't even know the answer to this question, there became very prominent black communities in Oklahoma. Tulsa got created as a non-native city after, after black, uh, black communities that had been established there. And so I don't know what the relationship was. I don't know how uh, um, an area that became a state, which was primarily native territory, there, there must have been 
a, a relationship that, and frankly, and I, need, I still need to investigate this, on, on how uh, black communities were able to not only become established, but become successful in, in Oklahoma before, you know, before white people started, uh, you know, populating the area and, and ultimately lobbying for it to become a state. So there's, there's, that's the context that I think gets missed in a lot of um, the conversations. Anytime you talk about uh, Native issues, you just look at Native issues as, as singular mm -hmm you know, points on a, you know, on a timeline and that's it. Mm. Well, John, we're just about out of time. I want to direct people certainly to your podcast, to your presence here, Resistance Radio, and you're on WPFW. Congratulations for that. And has, have been on WPFW for some time. So uh, very well done. Uh, I'm really happy for you. So, but uh, tell people how they can find out about what you're doing outside of WBAI? Well, like I said, I do a, I do a podcast, which is uh, Let's Talk Native, or yeah, Let's Talk Native podcast, and that you can find any any of your regular podcast platforms. I also take the radio show, Resistance Radio, and I put that up as a podcast, so you can you can catch those um, those as podcasts. Uh, I I do a show. Sometimes it's just a, a repeat of the show that I do on WBAI um, mm -hmm. the next day uh, at two o'clock on. WPFW in Washington. Um, but, you know, I, Michael, I, you, you had me on to talk about the mascot issue. I, I try to play a prominent part in having the discussions on everything that Native people are, are encountering. And I, you know, so I'm, I'm on Facebook. A lot of my shows, I, I Facebook live stream. I do a lot of posting and writing. Um, and, and, of course, I'm also on YouTube as well. So you can find my channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. Uh, I have a resistance radio uh, page on Facebook and a Let's Talk Native page on Facebook. So you can follow a lot of not just what I'm doing, but who I'm interacting with on social media if you go to those, uh, those pages as well. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a never-ending cycle. You know, we just, there was, uh, they call it celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day. I, I right, say we, right. we observed uh, uh, um, Indigenous Peoples Day because until our sovereignty is, uh, is really acknowledged, until... We address missing and murdered indigenous women, unmarked and uh, mass uh, graves uh, uh, that came out of the residential school era. Until we address some of the, the, the issues that still plague Native people, our battles with New York State over gaming revenue. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's a little hard for me to say, you know, tell somebody happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Right, um, right. I, for now, let's, I, I'll observe it, but I'm going to use those opportunities um, to perhaps have another platform to discuss many of these needed issues. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting that you uh, mentioned uh, about uh, the, the, the naming of um, uh, sports teams and whatnot. And I, I just heard on my way in to, to work this morning, uh, one of the prominent teams in Atlanta is still calling itself uh, the Braves. And uh, so, you know, I know that's something that you have been uh, focused on, in part, uh, for some time now. And I'm so glad to hear that and happy to have you here to talk about these issues, to raise these issues on this radio station, on this program. John, I'm really uh, very, very pleased to be with you. We'll have to do this more often, I believe. Well, I, I, sure, I sure would appreciate the invitation. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, and I love your show. Uh, happy to be a part of it. Thanks so much, John, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. All right. John Kane, comrade, good friend here at uh, 
WBAI. We're at 99.5 FM and WBAI.org on the web. Uh, John, the Mohawk activist joining me on Living for the City, producing Let's Talk Native as a podcast and resistance radio. And you can catch up with him on WBAI Thursdays at 3 p.m. Joining us from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. Thank you.